Hey everybody, it's your doc, Jeff Booski, creator and co-founder of Dental Syndicate, where we've cracked the code to gamify the system to unlocking power, productivity, and profitability, all while building practices and lives that matter. Welcome to Jumpstart with Jeff. Today's guest is Eric Block, and this is part one of our interview. Eric Block is the stress-free dentist. Hey Jeff, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Hey man, you know, Eric, you, he, he was one of the individuals that I met when I went and competed this last year. Eric was also competing in April in dentistry's got talent. And that's how we had an opportunity to connect and meet. And, uh, it was almost like we were some kindred spirits there. And I really got to enjoy the time that I was hanging out with Eric and, you know, he's really put together some amazing things. Uh, Eric, he's, he wrote a new book here, you know, the stress-free dentist, it's an amazing book. So I'm going to highly recommend that you guys. And, uh, Eric, just share with us a little bit, if you would kind of talk to us a little bit about how did you even get started in dentistry? How did you even have an interest in getting into this profession in the first place? Yeah. So, you know, my, my dad is actually a dentist, but I, I went to Tulane um, university in new Orleans. Um, and I, at that point wanted nothing to do with dentistry. Um, I was going to be a business major and apply to the business school. I started taking microeconomics and macroeconomics and statistics. And I looked around and I'm like, this is not for me. So I, I didn't really know what to do. Uh, I chose psychology as a major and I was thinking about, you know, maybe become a physician, physical therapy. Dentist was sort of on the back of my mind, um, you know, having my dad uh, be a dentist. He's, he's retired now. But um, one night in New Orleans, uh, which many uh, college students tend to do, I had a few too many drinks and I just missed my mouth and I hit my number nine central incisor uh, with a beer bottle and I broke it in half. Uh, and I walked around that night, uh, feeling no pain, of course, and I walked around with, with half my, uh, half my tooth. Um, and I, the, the next day I went to a local dentist in Metairie, Louisiana, and I just really liked the experience of how they patched me up and they took care of me. And I walked in all embarrassed and I left with my smile back. So I started thinking, you know what, maybe dentistry is something I could do. So I started hanging around my dad's office. Uh, this is up in, I'm from Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And um, I started taking all the prereq classes. And then I took the DATs. I took a year off actually, and finished up some of the prereq classes. And I taught tennis. That was my year off. Oh, nice. And, um, and then I applied, I got into Nova Southeastern down in Fort Lauderdale and went there. Uh, and then I ended up coming back to BU for an implant residency oh, cool. uh, from 02 to 04. And that's what brought me back to Massachusetts. So I, I live and practice in the same town, which is Acton, Massachusetts. We're about 30 minutes west of Boston. Oh, awesome, man. You know, that's so funny. You broke number nine. I broke number eight. The, that's what got me into dentistry. Mine was hockey and hockey related. And I had some of the same thoughts. You know, I thought, man, I hope that my dentist can put my smile back together and, and I hope my parents can afford it. And, you know, I hope it doesn't hurt too bad. All the same thing that our patients, you know, think about, but just like you, once I saw that and just saw the outcome and then realized, man, that's like art, you know? And I thought, and, and what a great feeling to be able to provide for somebody that's when I, I got hooked and I knew right then when I was 17, you know what, that's what I want to do. And, you know, I loved, I loved hockey and I thought, well, 
you know, but I'm, I wasn't, certainly wasn't going to be pro. So I was a little too small to be a professional hockey player. And I thought, you know, dentistry is good. I can still play and I can carry around some business cards in my breezers. And so if I need to, you know, take a little shot at somebody, I can drum up some business pretty quick. <laughs> so yours, yours was a hockey uh, accident. Mine was a beer bottle. So we, yeah. we both ended up in the same place. <laughs> it's funny. It's, it's, it's like-minded stories there. And, you know, when you think back at it, Eric, when you look at like, you know, I look at how dental school prepared me. You talked about going to, to Nova and everything. What was like the biggest surprise for you once you got out of dental school that you would say, man, dental school just certainly did not prepare me for this. Yeah, well, you know, Jeff, I experienced stress throughout every phase of my career from deciding to go to dentistry, uh, into dentistry, you know, applying, getting in and then choosing to, uh, to go to school. And then obviously the four years of, of, you know, the trenches of, of dental school, and then, you know, taking the, the Florida and, and, uh, Northeast regional boards, then deciding what to do after dental school, whether I just open up a practice, uh, do a residency, become an associate, um, and then I, I decided to do the implant residency. Uh, and then after that, I was an associate for a long time. And that caused, I could talk about that, you know, all day of, of the reasons why that caused me stress. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then the granddaddy of them all, Jeff, was becoming a practice owner for me. Mm-hmm. And that's when really all of the uh, major stress and where I went through a tremendous amount of burnout is when I became a practice owner. And just, you know, dental school does not teach us uh, for, for any of that. I mean, I barely, you barely even learn how to talk to a patient. In fact, you know, in dental school, you talk over the patient, you talk about the patient. Uh, it's like, they weren't even there. And, um, you know, dentistry, you know, dental school, just, um, you know, they give us, you know, the basic skills. Um, but then you're kind of on your own once you, once you hit the real world. Yeah. I mean, for me, there was no business experience, no, no actual management experience or how to run a practice, how to manage individuals, how, how to do business, how to market, how any of that, nothing. It was just, you know, get your uh, requirements done and complete and be, you know, do do good dentistry. And that was about it, you know, And, and just don't kill anyone you know, (laughs) and if you can do that, then you're on your way. But man, I felt so ill-equipped as, as a businessman when I got out of dental school. And so, you know, that's one of the biggest things that I look at is, is for these younger docs and everybody that's coming out of school to be able to get them into a great program or learn great structure to where they can get those business experiences and not feel just like you were talking about, just feel like that stress or under the eight ball. I mean, I, I got to experience that when, when I bought my second practice and I was trying to run that remotely, man, I was just not prepared for that type of stress to, to take that on. And, uh, you know, unfortunately I brought that into my family and it was just really, really difficult. And so, you know, when you look at that, when, and you look back at, at right now where you're at in your career, what would you say, even from early on to now, like what's the most important lesson that you've learned, whether it be from dental school or just even through your career right now in dentistry? What, what do you think of that is, Eric? Oh, man, there's, there's so many. Um, you know, first, um, I would say that, you know, personally, I had to, for me to get over burnout and I, I almost left the profession 
Um, cause I was so nervous all the time. I was, I was always afraid of getting sued or getting a bad review. And actually for a while there, I wanted to leave dentistry and go to law school so I could be the one suing. So, <laughs> you know, so, um, but I, you know, personally it, it was, it was, it was up here. Uh, it was in my noggin, uh, as an introvert, a people pleaser. Um, I didn't want to disappoint anyone. Uh, I wanted to make everyone happy. And I was saying yes to everyone else, which was a lot of times saying no to myself. So I, I really uh, put a lot of that pressure on myself. And also, you know, being an introvert, the social aspect of the profession was, was just totally exhausting for me, going from room to room to room, um, putting on that happy face and making the patient, you know, feel like, you know, give them that great experience and wow them and always be in a good mood. And it's almost like acting where you, you always got to be on. And for me, day in, day out, doing that all day, I would come home and I would just be junk. Um, so I really said to myself that there's no way I can practice like this for the next 30 to 40 years, that I've got to do something and I got to really figure out what makes me tick. So I started going to a therapist and I'd always wanted to do therapy because I, I at Tulane, I was a psychology major and I feel like, you know, therapy is like yoga for your brain. You know, your brain is like a muscle, you know, we exercise our biceps at the gym, you know, why not exercise your brain? And it took a while, but I really got to figure out what made me tick and why I was the way I was. And it, a lot of it was, you know, had, we went deep back into my childhood. Um, but, you know, after a while, I just got more comfortable with me and I stopped caring about what other people thought. And I'm not talking about like, you know, my, my treatment um, or my care, but if they didn't, if a patient or staff member didn't like me, or if I got a bad review, or if a patient didn't rebook with me, I didn't take it personally. And I just stopped being so hard on myself. And that was a huge weight off my shoulders uh, that I can go in and just be my normal self. Um, and also, like you, you really hit on it, Jeff, where we come out of school with absolutely no business experience. And I really felt a major change for me was to understand it's okay not to know. Like we come out and we're expected to be a CEO, a surgeon, an entrepreneur, an HR manager, a marketing specialist. We don't know any of these things. Uh, so for you to say, I don't know, it's okay. Uh, and absolutely to go out and seek help, whether it's a coach or a therapist or reaching out to your peers. Uh, whatever help you can get for me, it was therapy uh, for someone else. It may be, you know, something else, but to just not go in on this alone and to also not give in to the false belief that there's nothing you can do that. You just got to ride this out for 30 years and can't wait until you retire. Um, I, I, I was going through these uh, periods where I couldn't wait until the weekend so I could decompress. Yeah. I couldn't wait until five o'clock so I could finally breathe. And then, it even got to the point where I couldn't wait until lunch so I could get, get yeah. out of the office and go home for lunch. I read um, that, so, I read that yeah. in the book. Absolutely. So I just really just said, I got to do something. So um, uh, for me, it was looking in the mirror and, and making some changes. Well, and you had some really, really big points there, Eric, that I want to, you know, I don't want people to skim over because it is so big when you're talking about people pleasing. And, you know, I think, 
in dentistry, there's a lot, a lot of us who are people pleasers because that's just part of our nature and how we've grown up and what we've been exposed to in our lifetime. And it's part of what, you know, we feel like our, our purposes here on this planet is to give and provide great service, but somehow that morphs into being a people pleaser. And I've noticed that for myself a long time ago, of like, man, just like you said, I'm saying no to myself and yes to everybody else, or I'm treating brand new people, brand new patients better than I was treating my family members. I mean, just crazy things like, you know, but that is just going to that type of nth degree in order to please somebody, make them happy because then I gave me my emotional paycheck, right? You know, that I was looking for, that I was searching for. And the reality is, is that, you know, it's, you're just, I'm gonna give you my best that I'm gonna be able to give you and I'm going to be authentic about it. I'm going to be present and I'm going to share with you what I can do. And then I'm going to execute it. And if I can't execute it to the level that I think I can, I'll share that with you too. And just like you said, no sweat off my back. And I'm so happy to be able to take and talk to patients in a way in which now they own their problems and it's not my problem. And that was one of the biggest things that one of my mentors, Bruce Baird, taught me is it's not my problem. It's their problem. I'm just here to facilitate and support them to get to their vision of what they want to achieve for their dental health. And just like you said, it becomes a one act play. You're right. It is like we're on stage. And so for me, in order for me to avoid being burnt out, it requires me to create a capacity every day to be able to go in and produce at a certain level. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Oh, that makes, that makes total sense. And, you know, to, to not put that pressure on yourself and it, for it to, you know, be a collaborative experience, you know, between you and the patient and they've got to take responsibility and they've got to do their part. Um, You know, we're there to, to help them, uh, and give them the options, but they've got to, you know, they've got to own their issues. I think that's, I think that's a really strong lesson for young dentists right there is yeah. that, you know, you know you're going to do your best. Um, and a lot of us strive for perfection, which sometimes is not always the case. It's okay to fail. It's okay to miss that margin. Um, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And if you're just upfront and honest with the patient, um, you're going to be a lot, lot better off long-term. Yeah. I mean, literally, I think, I think that I've never done anything perfectly because to me, perfection implies that, that I've reached the end point. And I always look at it from the perspective of, I can always do something better. I can always learn more. And I love having the, the student mindset, you know? And so for me, you know, perfection is just something that necessarily isn't attainable. I am going to, I would rather finish in excellence. And, and that's what my, my motto is and how I look at fulfilling my promise to my patients, you know, and you said that is a very important lesson that you, you were talking about when you talked about psychology, what do you think is one of the best personality characteristics or strengths that is required to go into dentistry and to be a dentist and, and to operate, especially in your own practice, what do you, what would you say is like one of the best personality traits or strengths that you would look for? Or that you would say, you know, you might want to ask yourself if I have this characteristic. 
Yeah. And I, I didn't have it early on. And I, if I could go back and, you know, 20 years ago and tell uh, young blocky, I would say, you know, first of all, reach out to as, as many peers as you can, because only dentists really understand what other dentists are going through. Um, and I would have gotten a, uh, a, you know, a life coach or gone into therapy early on, but to be able to reach out um, and to tell yourself that, you know, it's okay not to know, um, you get training, go to C courses, open yourself up to uh, criticism, get a mentor. Um, I, I think that's really important. Um, I think, um, you know, some dentists get out and they just want to pay and I get it. You know, they come out and there's a lot of loans. There's a lot of debt. Um, and they just want to, you know, make money and, and, and work hard and do everything. If you can reach out uh, to peers, mentors, um, take coaching, uh, get coaching early on and also learn what you like and what you don't like. Mm, um, yes. You know, if, if, if you can figure that out early on, um, then I think you're going to be a lot happier. And also to realize that you don't have to treat every patient. You don't have to take on every case. Um, you know, like I said, when you're an associate and you're just getting out of school, you got to pay the bills. Um, but I got into a lot of, uh, situations where I wish I hadn't, you know, got involved in. Um, so I'm very particular now about case selection and patient selection. That is huge for not only for importance for your own happiness of what you want and, and the care that you want to deliver, but also to reduce the amount of stress that mm. you, you end up taking on. And you're absolutely right. And I, from one of the things I, that I heard you say, and you, and you dropped a lot of great information, is the ability for somebody to take and receive feedback. Mm -hmm. I heard that really loud and clear. And then I also heard having the importance of uh, community. And mm -hmm. I think now so more than in the past, a lot of times dentists in the past tended to isolate. And now it's a lot easier to have more open conversations because it's things are talked about more readily now. And whether it be mental health or whether it be, gosh, I'm having a really hard time or I'm stuck here business-wise or my marketing is sucking wind and I, <laughs> I need some help or I need some support. And, or man, I'm having some tax struggles or some issues that I just don't know how to do that. Just like you said, first and foremost, being willing to say, I just don't know. And it's okay not to know. I mean, just because we graduated dental school doesn't mean that you should know everything under the sun, especially about business or anything else that you had zero training or qualification in. And so it's okay not to know and just being okay with that, with yourself being realistic, being authentic, and just getting real about where you're at, man, that is just like, to me, that just relieves a lot and just says, a yeah, lot. especially if you're a, you know, a solo practitioner and, you know, you're, could be the only dentist there. You're in your own little bubble. Um, and it, it's, it's, you can really get kind of stuck in that, that, you know, that hamster wheel. Um, so you know, so important to reach out. And now there's just so many ways to do it, you know, with Facebook groups, dental town, um, going to these great uh, events, like where we met at the dental festival. Um, it, it's just so great to engage with people that are going through, uh, you know, if not the exact same thing you're going through, but something very similar. 
Getting plugged in with like-minded people that are moving in a direction that you support or that you, you know, look at and acknowledge and say, you know what, that's the direction that I'd like to be headed. And I think surrounding yourself with those individuals or, you know, looking for individuals who you want to look at saying, hey, I admire this quality or this characteristic with this individual. You know, I think if you look at somebody, somebody doesn't have to have everything. You might look at somebody and say, man, they've got a great marriage. I want to find out from them. What do they do to make that work so well? Or this guy's a great businessman. You know, I want to talk with him about how does he look at business? How does he look at numbers? How does he look at his marketing? How does he look at his ROI? What does he do to make those key indicator choices? And when does he choose to put the gas pedal down to, to employ his marketing and know when to pull it back? Or when does he make these decisions on when to hire the next individual? You know, all of those things. But maybe that same individual doesn't have the best, you know, marriage going. Maybe his health isn't the best. So it doesn't always have to be one person for everything. I'm going to encourage you to start to look at people that are in your area of influence or in your circles and look at those individuals and look at the dynamics or the collective genius that they all have and see how that can support you or facilitate you in getting where you want to go. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's awesome stuff, man. It's so true. You know, Eric, take us back. I know you said, you know, you've, you've had kind of when you uncovered in therapy with anxiety from the time you went to dental school to into practice. And then, man, it really came to head once you became practice owner. Man, when I became practice owner, I was like, whoo, there is a fire under my ass right now. I have to go produce because I've got a much bigger nut to cover. And, you know, and that's a lot, you know, and you've got that, you've got a family, you've got all these people that are counting on you. You got your team members, you got patients, you've got to figure out and your own family and yourself. And you're like, man, wow, that is a lot. But what was like, what was the breaking point? I said, you know, you were talking about, man, you were even going home at lunch and just like, man, I just, I can't wait to not be at the office. What was the final breaking point when you realized, shit, something's got to change, man. Yeah. I was, I was avoiding people in the office, staff. I was avoiding patients. I, I, I wasn't engaging. I wasn't going to office functions. I was buzzing out of there at lunch. Um, you know, I couldn't wait until, five o'clock to get out of there. I couldn't wait until the weekend. And I was, was thinking, you know, how great it would be until when I retire. Uh, so I wouldn't have to do this anymore. Um, and I was, I was so nervous, even about little easy procedures, like putting a crown in. I was, I was just so afraid of uh, if I disappointed, you know, the patient um, or, or, or the staff or, 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 or getting a bad review. It really just, got to the point where I was just so miserable and then I'd get home and I had nothing left in the tank for the family. And that's not fair to them. No. You know, that, you know, it's, it, what we do is exhausting. It's, it's, you know, dentistry is very complex. It's, it's physically exhausting. It's mentally exhausting. Um, I was having shoulder pain um, and, and physical pain can really cause a lot of emotional pain as well. Yes. Um, and all of these things just kind of were just compounding. And I just said, I got to do something. And that's when I started, you know, it was really that, that look in the mirror, I have to take action um, because I'm just not happy. Life is too short uh, to, to dread going into work every day. 
Um, so it was really just picking up that phone and, and calling my therapist um, and getting in there. And I was going in every week, then every, you know, every two weeks. Um, and also for me, um, I'm on medications, um, anti-anxiety medications, and that was um, a major uh, game changer for me. And this may not be for everyone, sure. but there was a point where I just could not let go of the day. I would get home mm. and I was replaying every conversation yeah. over and over in my head. And of course I would focus on the one bad thing that happened. Sure. Yeah. And not the 30 great things that happened. <laughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't shake the day. Uh, so after going through therapy, we, we started, uh, you know, uh, testing different medications on me. Um, and, finally, all of a sudden there just became this like absence of that. I could actually go home and pretty much leave, you know, of course there's occasionally there's some bad days that you have. Um, and also that's okay to realize that that's okay. That's going to happen. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have a bad hour. You're going to have a bad week, but it's okay. And it's normal. Um, that started to just resolve and just kind of go away and disappear. And I started leaving the office at the office um, and being more present at home. And I, it didn't happen overnight. It took a long time. Uh, and a lot of it had to do with, you know, with me. Uh, but I finally got, you know, got to that point. And now I actually, you know, of course, there's days where I, I just don't feel like going in. But for the most part, I enjoy going to work every day.